We'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Cash App. Cash App has been the number one finance app on the App Store for almost two years. It was also the first major peer-to-peer payments app to support Bitcoin, and it's still the fastest and easiest way to turn cash into crypto. Cash App now supports Bitcoin deposits in-app, so be sure to move your Bitcoin from whatever wallet you're using to Cash App. Don't have any to deposit? Cash App is also the most convenient way to instantly buy and sell Bitcoin. No more waiting five days for your ACH transfers to come through. With Cash App, you can buy Bitcoin instantly. When you're ready to take full ownership of your private keys, just use Cash App to scan an external wallet's QR code. It's really that simple. Cash App also comes with standard banking features like direct deposits and others your bank would never even consider, like Cash Card, a customizable debit card that lets you instantly save every time you use it at Lyft, Whole Foods, and places like Chick-fil-A. It's also a favorite of the block's analyst, Steven Zhang. He saves money at Chipotle every time he gets a burrito. That keeps Steven happy, that keeps the block happy, and that keeps the crypto world informed with the best news and research in the entire market. Download Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to what is a very special episode of The Scoop. We have joining us the Chief Technology Officer of Bitfinex and Tether, Paolo. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We have a lot to talk about. You guys have been in the news a lot this past week. Paolo Ardono, am I saying that right? Did we get that? How would we How do we say it? What's the correct pronunciation? It's Arduino. Arduino. Yeah, yeah. Grazie, grazie. <laughs> Un ragazzo italiano joining us. Um, well, I think the best place to start, a lot of us know you from crypto Twitter, we, you know, an ornament defender of your company, even when there are bad headlines, negative headlines. Walk us through your role, though, because you're not, you know, the chief Twitter officer. You are, you know, behind a lot of the technology, a lot of the business decisions, but you're also the face of the company. Um, what else falls under your your, your helm? So um, if I may start uh, with... Um brief history of my uh, relationship with both Bitfinex and Tether. So I came into Bitfinex in 2015, so there was a few issues with the matching engine back at that time. You know, um, the quality of the exchanges was uh, still rudimental, in my opinion. So I had uh, experience in uh, uh, parallel computing, distributed networks, and scalability. So uh, basically, I met Giancarlo de Vazzini, the CFO, um, we, we like each other, of course, we're Italian, so it's kind of easy. And um, basically... That's the only reason why he came on the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so um, the idea is that he asked me um, to improve the machine engine that was quite in, in doing the peak perf- uh, times was, was lacking. And then I, has, I start working with Phil Potter and so on and, you know, uh, things started to be, become really interesting for me. And um, uh, after um, a while that I was working there, uh, the matching engine was able to do uh, 1,000 times the, the current the number of orders second that was doing when I came on board. So 
basically until the hack in 2016, I was the, the guy behind uh, the machine engine and the new uh, WebSocket APIs. If you think that till uh, late 2015, Bitfinex had only uh, was refreshing the books, and most of the changes was refreshing the book. Where refreshing the books only every uh, 30 seconds via REST APIs. Now, uh, so in 2016, I introduced WebSockets and basically um, Machine Engine, WebSockets, all the uh, V2 APIs that you see have been developed by me. Uh, so far, I'm being still the main maintainer of um, all the core infrastructure in Bitfinex when it comes to development. So developing the core um, tools, the core microservices, the Machine Engine, uh, uh, almost the entire um, uh, derivatives platform that we that we are offering uh, has been developed by by me with the help of uh, testers and of course risk management. Uh, but when it comes to code, I prefer to take on really risky tasks myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean uh, lately I'm I'm being more involved in uh, in uh, on Twitter because I believe that uh, unfortunately uh, seems like if uh, if you are a shy person or a shy company and you don't say too many things publicly, then uh, it means that you have something to hide. So um, I was basically, uh, I decided to, to enter uh, in, in the battlefield on Twitter and trying to defend the good work that uh, the both companies I work for uh, um, uh, are doing. Great. Uh, Larry's kicking me virtually from <laughs> thousands of miles away in, in, in Germany. Uh, docs. Larry Cermak, our director of research, who's been following Bitfinex for most of his cryptocurrency careers, also on the line to help uh, guide this conversation with Paolo. Um, I guess my second question has to do exactly with what you just alluded to. Um, Bitfinex's sort of role or uh, the way folks view the company in this space, right, over the past few years, you know, whether it's the skeptics coming after you or research tying you guys to manipulation or uh, popular Twitter accounts like Bitfinex, um, casting this sort of shadow of uh, shadiness or um, adding to what might be considered by some a, a questionable reputation. Um, how, how does this impact the firm and how do you navigate it? How do you navigate um, this notion that, as you said, there might be something wrong in the state of Denmark? So, um, I think that uh, one interesting fact, if I can start with that, is that you would imagine that um, when there, is, there are these troubles, I'm talking about the New York Attorney General or the class section, or, um, you know, when you, you share with uh, your, uh, your teams, that we have a problem with uh, crypto capital about $850 million. You, you can imagine that people start, uh, um, your teammates start to be worried and start maybe screaming and so on because, I mean, uh, it's legitimate, right? But no one left, really. No, we don't have any um, one in the personnel that ever left the company. And that is about uh, company culture. So really more than what is being said on the outside care that my team is happy and uh, everyone in the com company understands that whatever is being said um, is just detractors, trolls, and so on. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm naive in my approach, but uh, uh, so far it worked. Uh, I've been, I'm 
I've been spending a lot of time in the internal company culture and growing that. Um, we are a, an army of basically Spartans in, in this world compared to the size of the other teams. So, of course, then you um, um, it's not easy uh, to navigate um, on a daily basis where you get kicked uh, continuously and uh, the good things that you do, all the good work that you did in the past as well as... Um, uh, is diminished, but so you can see that a lot of people are appreciating um, are appreciating the, uh, the our new approach uh, to uh, transparency, to visibility, to being more public, and um, that's also really good to see. Um, uh, we discussed with uh, you know after the hack in 2016, we have uh, we had quite few shareholders that converted the BFX tokens in equity. So uh, we have future orders that uh, suggested us and pushed us to become better in uh, in um, in uh, PR marketing. So far, uh, keep in mind that we didn't have any uh, marketing team and um, PR team since uh, till basically uh, this August, August 2019, because we were so focused in encoding all day long. We didn't. I mean, we are a test-first company, and we didn't have anything like that. Now. We just hired the first two PR uh, experts and the first two marketing experts. And you can see the change in the last month and a half where we, we started to publish uh, more things. Also, um, we, we were able to accelerate on the number of projects that we were able to deliver thanks to, um, thanks to um, uh, our... Um, uh, thanks to the fact that uh, our hands became more free after we delivered successfully the futures product. So is um, we spent honestly most of the 2019 trying to figure out uh, how to react to, to all these uh, things that were said to us. And now I think that we are demonstrating a bit more, uh, let's say, less naivety and uh, a more strength uh, in the public face. Out of all of the criticisms that have have been waged against the firm, whether it's the New York Attorney General or some of the questions of the skeptics, et cetera, what, what would you say is the most legitimate or the one that internally has forced you guys to change direction or uh, act differently? So, um, of course, um, having the crypto capital problem, it was not really nice, uh, of course. Uh, that uh, led us to the decision of um, uh, issuing uh, Leo. Uh, we we didn't have any interest in, in issuing Leo because the company was so profitable that you know uh, we didn't have we didn't need any any money. Uh, we were so the, in the company, no one takes a first class uh, flight, even if it's twelve hours. We are all cheap guys. We, we don't like fancy stuff, so. Uh, you can see uh, how a company like us would not raise money if not necessary. So uh, we, we, we basically, uh, at that time, was kind of, um, mm, uh, we were forced to issue a Leo. Someone says, well, Leo was in the, in, in the plans since a while, but that is not, that is not true. Uh, we, we just basically decided to issue um, that company token, and uh, we got support by a lot of people that uh, believed uh, in our uh, roadmap, in our white paper. And uh, eventually, in 10 days, um, we raised 
uh, one billion dollar. And you know, uh, we at, <laughs> at some point pretty crazy. Yes, I was laughing my face because I say, well, this is not real. I'm dreaming, and, uh, <laughs> and eventually it's it's crazy. I mean, but I mean, there are different reasons why that happened. I believe is that. Um, uh, different uh, uh, companies and uh, and uh, individuals in our space that really care about our industry and know us since basically 2013, 2014, knew that we um, know that we are good guys. And they basically, uh, they know that um, what is happening uh, to us is uh, also the way it has been presented publicly was uh, a way to take us uh, basically down and create more uh, craziness. Uh, there are some companies in the space that struggle to raise, you know, way smaller sums. Uh, Cerro was having issues this year raising uh, way less than you guys raised. And uh, then, you know, you guys came in and raised $1 billion uh, in less than two weeks. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit more about the investor profile of the people that decided to invest, and what do you think led them to, you know, uh, commit that much capital that quickly? So, um, the number of investors that invest, you know, that Leo was a private sale. So we yeah. we had this concept of starting with a private sale. Now, of course, you go, let's say, first to family friends, and then basically go on a public sale. But we we were able to accomplish everything as a private sale. So. Um, uh, Leo, um, so we have a really big vari vari variety of uh, investors. Um, we, I think, uh, the number, total number of investors was less than uh, 100, and uh, uh, they vary from different sizes, from $1 million so to $100 million. Let's uh, um, say in a single, let's say in a single, more than $100 million in a single person. And uh, Damn, who's that guy? Yeah. That's a good friend. <laughs> yes, but I, I can tell you that uh, we, uh, I mean, there, there are different, and there are different people that really care about us. And uh, I mean, it is so, it's so good because you, you see that people want to uh, really, uh, that we really believe in our, in our success long term. And, you know, no one would bet that kind of money on a, on, on, on a company that is deemed to, to fail. So if someone really paid or uh, that kind of that kind of money that, that that is a good well, I, I think Larry and I would both agree right that there are a number of, of strengths um, to the company traders for the most part are not abandoning tether despite all of the headlines they find it as a, they find it as a useful on-ramp uh, to the cryptocurrency market helping them with their trading and you know the folks we talked to about Bitfinex's liquidity, um, speak very highly of the platform, especially the most professional and high-speed trading groups. Um, they're, they're, they're still working with you guys. But at the same time, the transparency problem has hung over the company to a degree. Um, to an extent, do you think the, the transparency issue you guys had was your own sort of doing? Okay, I think that, um, well, you make a good point in the sense that um, well, it, it touches what I was saying before that, of course, we um, we have been. Um, I mean, someone can call it non-transparent, but I mean, I can call it basically focusing on his on our own work and not sharing information. Being private companies, we didn't feel the need. 
in a again in a nice way to share more information that uh, um, more information that what we were obliged. Um, also, again, we didn't uh, we didn't have any uh, PR marketing teams whatsoever in the northern other two companies. Um, right now, uh, what we decided to do is to go fully transparent and say, okay, fine. Uh, people want transparency. Let's let's change. Try to change the game. We did it with Leo. We are easily showing all of the daily revenues. So when it's really good day, we show that we are making a ton of money. When it's uh, a bad day, and the volume is low, um, is uh, we show that the the, the, the earnings are, are lower. And um, uh, we are planning to also uh, keep give more updates on the tether side. We are keeping working with different firms to um, uh, that uh, that uh, we uh, that are high level firms that to to provide uh, uh, more information about transparency. We ask also to confirm the Delta balance, uh, um, the, the balance on our bank accounts to Delta, and uh, so yeah, there are um, so many. So many things that we are doing. There are a lot of things that we, we should be doing more, and uh, is I'm not excusing me that we will be doing them as well. Um, of course, um, you wish you can publish everything at the same time, but uh, it took quite a bit of time. But if I can tell you something that uh, to 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 make an example, a real case example that I feel um, uh, this let's say lack of um, being public diminished our our um, our perception to into the uh, to, to the public opinion is that uh, people think that our KYC AML program is not uh, up to date or is not good as it should be. But the reality of things is that our uh, CCO uh, Peter Ward is uh, has been working with uh, uh, BMO for for different years. is super knowledgeable. Uh, him and our CEO uh, Jean Louis go to law enforcement uh, meetings. They teach to law enforcement. Uh, we got praised by law enforcement about the fact that our KYC ML program uh, is more thorough than what a bank would the bank would require. Also, we were the first platform to see that uh, servicing US customer could have led into problems. So we decided to, to move away from US before than anyone else. So. I mean, I think that we had some sort of vision of where this space is going, and we are trying to keep up and do our best. Of course, as sometimes there are mistakes. Um, you mentioned this previously a little bit, but Bitfinex is a really lean company. Um, you guys have about 110 or 120 employees, while some larger Asian exchanges have more than a thousand. Uh, and you, yeah. you know, you also mentioned that you have quite, you know, your expenses are fairly low for a company of this size and company generates this much of profit. Uh, could you maybe speak about, you know, if this is a long-term plan as well to stay lean or you know, do, you, do you plan to expand to a lot more employees uh, in the future? So, I mean, we come from, um, uh, so I think that being lean for a company should be always um, a focus. You should uh, never I mean, at least in my opinion, never hire more people than what you really need. As, as long as you have redundancy in the in the roles, that's a good thing. Bitfinex never hires um, uh, junior developers or mid developers. We only hire uh, senior developers because we believe that uh, um, 
We, I personally don't believe in micromanagement. The reason why I can dedicate more than 90% of my time in development and coding is that everyone is great in my team and also in the other teams. So um, if I had to spend most of my time in, uh, in, in making sure that uh, projects uh, are done in, uh, uh, in a timely fashion, it would, be, it would basically make me really annoyed and um, I would not work with the same enthusiasm. So, and that applies to all the other teams. Customer support is quite small, it's like 30 um, um, people. Uh, compliance is 30 as well, the development team is 30. So uh, legal team is five or six. So um, uh, everything and the marketing is four. So uh, we are definitely uh, just below 130 headcount. Right. It's 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 funny uh, shifting to current events and and shifting to what I know you're really proud of as a member of the executive team is Bitfinex's UI and and UX and you tweeted today uh, in reference to the Wall Street Journal's article about uh, that research report tying tethered to uh, the manipulation of Bitcoin. Um, the the first thing that popped out to you was how sexy the UX is, which I thought was funny. Um, but of course, you, you also know what a pile of nonsense. Uh, to the extent that you can, because I know, Paolo, I understand that it is tied, this, this report, to a court proceeding. Um, just generally, at a high level, um, in your seat, what are your thoughts on this report? It's come up again. It's updated. Larry has noted some fundamental flaws in it. Uh, a lot of people in the space have, have noted some fundamental flaws in it. But generally, what do you what do you think? So um, I appreciate the question. I think that um, we are still reviewing all the details with uh, with the legal team. I I personally think that um, this this was kind of um, an easy. We are still the easiest target. We are the biggest, the most successful, and, and especially when it comes to Tether um, um, company. Um, so it's easy to be a target for money grabbing or for to get to get fame. I I don't know. I just I work with a lot of uh, you know academics in my life. Uh, I started uh, in, um, in a research team also in university in Genoa in Italy. I I I had really high respect of uh, of uh, academics and uh, I mean I don't know the person that wrote this paper. I just think that I didn't like the approach that he took. I think that before um, uh, writing this um, um, uh, fraud uh, allegation, he should have double-checked or seek more consensus or more data because it was easy for a lot of people to find flaws in it. So it's not just us that we say, well, that are biased, say, okay, these guys uh, are not uh, did not their job correctly. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, um, I, I think that uh, we don't have anything to hide. Um, and uh, the change of target, uh, I, I don't know what, what to think about. If, even if uh, from one side it could seem better for us, the change of target, still we don't have, you can imagine that, I mean, we don't have anything to hide, we don't have anything to, uh, our users are all controlled. We would never have let a user to exploit our platform to, for any nasty behavior. So. I believe that we'll, on our, our approach will not change uh, in any way. We will fight uh, until we show that there was no um, uh, wrongdoing by us, for our users, 
users or the dogs of our users, whatever. Larry, you want to take that next question? Yeah. Um, so let's switch to a little bit more of a technical side since, you know, I know that's, that's your area of expertise. Uh, so there are now some exchanges, uh, I saw Kraken talking about it a little bit, uh, you know, they're saying that they might uh, support the Lightning Network for deposits and withdrawals on, on their exchange. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you know, what's what's Bitfinex thinking about supporting LN on their exchange uh, for customers? And what would potentially be some of the, you know, downsides uh, and how hard this would be technically to implement? Sure. So... Um... Yes, yesterday we uh, we were one of the first exchanges to support, or I think that the first top tier exchange to support um, deposit and withdrawals on back uh, for uh, back thirty two segwit addresses, and um, I, I think that it was a big win for us. Uh, this shows our commitment to the space, and one of the most notable things is that you create beautiful products and then you publish on, on Twitter and you get like um, uh, an average engagement. As soon as we publish anything that is related to Bitcoin and to SegWit, everyone gets crazy, and uh, we got a lot of uh, interest. Because I, mean, uh, I understand it, right? It's also more exciting for me to to keep it, to keep working on the end goal of um, of well, I think uh, Bitfinex industry to basically push new features to that makes our um, the, uh, the main blockchains more scalable. Right? So uh, to to um, attaching to you. Um, if I have to uh, talk about the uh, Lightning Network, I'm really, really a big fan of the uh, Lightning Network. I believe that uh, it is exactly how um, second-layer, peer-to-peer payment, uh, micro-payment mechanism should be designed and should work. Of course, it's really, um, I mean, it's, it's still new. Uh, people um, complain that it's still new since quite some time now. But, uh, you know, uh, some good things and uh, complex things take time. And you, you want to have um, to, to, to make sure that uh, the security uh, around it is, uh, is manageable and uh, is done in the right way. Um, we are working and we are uh, funding as Bitfinex a project. This is called uh, RGB that aims to bring uh, assets, so Tether, on um, um, and other possible assets on Lightning Network. Uh, and that is one of the most interesting, cool things that, that we could be involved in because that uh, that will allow micropayments in Tether in a, in a fully peer-to-peer fashion. So Bitfinex, of course, is interested to continue of, um, the work to add uh, Lightning Network deposits and withdrawals in a short time uh, before possibly the competition. So adding lightning uh, deposits and withdrawals, that's that's part of the tech roadmap. Um, despite the success of, of Tether, which, you know, it's it's so sticky. Traders, despite the surge in competition over the past two years, they're still using Tether. Uh, Bitfinex, on the other hand, has, and we've, we've talked about this before, Paolo, uh, the market share is a little bit more modest, uh, has dipped from around 25%, now around 8%. Uh, you, you've talked to us before that you've seen this story before, you've seen this play out, you've gone from 7 or so percent uh, back up to 25. I'm assuming Lightning, uh, whether it's withdrawals, deposits, or adding and contributing to that ecosystem, 
is part of the plan, but just walk us through the broader product roadmap or the broader uh, tech roadmap um, and how it plays into recapturing uh, the market share you had going into 2020. Yeah, um, thank you for, for the question. So that is really um, my specialty because um, basically I'm, I'm leading, since I'm leading the, the, the team that basically developed all uh, the new features and the roadmap. So, you know, in the roadmap, um, we, I can reference also to um, our white paper. We talk about different things, right? Well, the first one has been um, deployed and is uh, derivative slash futures um, with um, uh, with a uh, let's say a different company called Ivanex um, Financial um, uh, Services, and um, the that was done. That was a big project. Uh, it um, it required a few months of full time development with basically seeing anything else uh, in in uh, in the world from from me and a few other people in the team. Uh, but now the product and the machine engine is ready for um, a, um, a perpetual swaps. Uh, that's what we we deliver. We are working on uh, on uh, uh, legal compliant uh, basket futures. Um, and uh, uh, also, and well, uh, basket perpetual swaps, also standard futures with standard delivery, um, legal compliant options. Uh, I think that, that everything will be still tether based. Um, I see that some other competitor is now rolling out the tether based um, uh, perpetual swaps and the futures market. That is a really big win as well for us because it gives more trust, more more spread to tether. Uh, even farther, um, and these are uh, so. Uh, our goal is to launch options in Q1 2020. Uh, we are working um, with uh, with uh, external market makers to ensure that there will be good liquidity. Then, um, you know, one thing that I really, really like in uh, in our space is the concept of a circular economy. So. We will be uh, working uh, with uh, a big um, uh, uh, and well-known partner uh, um, that provides gift cards um, and uh, asset, um, uh, uh, the acquire of gift cards uh, with the cryptocurrencies to integrate them in Bitfinex to create uh, the proper um, uh, a proper ecosystem where people can use their cryptocurrencies. In order to buy things uh, from uh, from I don't know Amazon or other places, because you know um, it's important that people can see the farther value of uh, uh, having and having cryptocurrencies rather than just trading back and forth uh, between Bitcoin and USD or whatever. So yeah, I think that that will be that will show our commitment or trend and uh, will show that we are seeking. Uh, to diversify our business lines and uh, product lines. Um, another really important thing on the Bitfinex side that was mentioned in the white paper is our interest in opening to uh, prediction markets. Uh, in the white paper, it was named as Batfinex. Uh, we are probably now trying to narrow down the scope of the project, but to make it uh, sooner rather than later. We were thinking late 2020, it will be much faster our approach to this. Um, and I think that we will open up to really interesting and <laughs> crazy um, uh, possibility for us. 
um, still we want to make sure that uh, it's not well, uh, we don't like gambling, so it will be just uh, a, a pure and legal compliant um, uh, prediction market system. We showed our capabilities with our CST system, that was the chain split token system that we used in the past to predict or to, to have a price prediction mechanism for um, the uh, certain um, chain block, Bitcoin related blockchain events, uh, like the Bitcoin, Bitcoin Gold, R4, and things like that. So we will use similar mechanism. And we will, of course, uh, leave only the use to verified customers. We don't. We want to make sure that everyone is protected well. Um, then, uh, on the tether side, we are working hard to deliver. Uh, I think one of the most interesting and beautiful products um, that is uh, uh, um, that is Tether Gold. Uh, tether Gold is um, um, same as uh, Tether USDT, but uh, uh, gold back. Interesting. So you guys are, I mean, this is, this is really interesting stuff, uh, whether it's options, the perpetual swaps platform, a gift card prediction, prediction market, all new frontier for Bifinex, but each is competitive in its own respect. Each, each of those markets has a number of different participants working uh, in those respective spaces. Uh, I, I, we, we obviously can't talk about all of them on this episode, but if we were to just focus on the perpetual swap platform, which is already up and running, um, when you look at the competition, you have Bit, BitMEX, right, the, the major giant that kind of really pioneered that financial product, um, and, and there are several others. Uh, Kraken is another example. Um, Binance has launched their own derivatives platform. How do you, how do you stand out in, in such a crowded market, what can you do with that product that makes it differentiated from others and will draw people to your to your venue? Sure. Um, first of all, um, I think that I said something today on Twitter about it. We are, uh, our approach is more um, difficult than our competition. So in order to trade uh, futures on Bitfinex, you have to be verified. And we are excluding, of course, also certain jurisdictions like Canada and a few others, because we believe that uh, um, we want to be really um, protective of our users. We want also to be prepared when um, it will. It is clear that um, uh, regulators are looking at this space uh, more thoroughly, so it's easier and better to have, have started a product in 2019 as a verified only product rather than uh, uh, anyone can join product. Uh, I, I, of course, um, support our decision on unverified users. I like the fact that there is freedom of, um, uh, uh, between our users, but uh, I, I, can, I need to uh, also uh, be aware that the, uh, there is more uh, regulation uh, pressure, and uh, offering a fully verified product is the right choice long term. There is no other way around, in my opinion. Either in two years, the, the regulation will be even uh, more uh, complete. 
So it is, uh, it is if you are going to out and seeking a license for or whatever in um, um, for other products that you want to add to your line, if you showed that as soon as you launched a new product, you, you took the, the, the right steps, it is easier to be introduced and talk to regulators. So uh, that is our approach, I think. It makes things harder for us, and of course, the volume of um, is not as nice as it would be um, on uh, on the on the on the perpetual swaps. But if we grow over time, uh, more market makers are now uh, working to add uh, their uh, the support of our futures um, and perpetual swaps offering their APIs. So yeah, I mean, we we are not in a rush. We are have plenty of other products in the meantime to launch and. The full ecosystem will drive um, users from uh, and interest from one product to another. Interesting. Going back to the main exchange venue, right? What what Bitfinex is often known for is is its liquidity, um, and I think what's missed sometimes is the difference between liquidity and volume. They're not necessarily the same thing. Uh, speak to speak to why. Uh, Bitfinex has been able to achieve this level of liquidity, and um, how do you maintain that? So I think that um, uh, we, been, having started so um, so back in time, we have uh, a lot of aficionados uh, to, to Bitfinex. I mean, everyone loves uh, the um, slickness of our interface, our APIs. They are, um, if you are near, have a server nearby to our data centers is basically is crazy fast. Uh, we offer, and uh, there is nice scripts that prove it, that you can send thousands of orders per second and have a, a reply from the server in within one second for all the thousand of orders, right? So that is one of the things that excites uh, users and they don't, and they, for their own admission, they don't find it anywhere else. So uh, we take proud of, uh, of this and also, our margin system, our peer-to-peer -peer margin system, allow uh, a real uh, shows the real interest that users have also to be on our platform. So, on one side, I have you have lenders, uh, and on the other side, you have people that are um, uh, shorting or longing certain pairs. So, um, this is uh, while you, there there are more competitors now on the lending uh, side. I think that the peer-to-peer -peer lending is the way to go because it shows really the real interest, the real um, appetite for the users to lend, the real rates in the market. So I, I think that uh, that also gives to our users a better understanding and knowledge of um, um, of how where the market might go or not. Um, also, as this goes with um, along the lines of what I said uh, for Leo, uh, the traders. Uh, are um, want to stay stick with us. They trust us. Whatever happens, they, they trusted us in the past. They still trust us. And they saw uh, our recovery now twice after the 2016 hack and after the um, after EO. So, I mean, there is no other thing that has this history of resilience or this, or this history of being able to manage really difficult situations. So I, I can see why traders want to stay stick with us. Of course, also, I want to note that, um, I mean, I like, one, one thing that I really like about uh, our volume is that when the market is, is low, uh, we do really low volume. 
problems. Uh, but as soon as there is uh, a price spike, basically we are the, the, the gap or the, the, the gap in movement between uh, of um, let's say proportion, proportional gap movement of our volume is higher than almost any exchange um, that uh, I think Larry mentioned in the yeah in the because. I mean, I can see why. I mean, if I'm uh, in a margin position, I can see why if the market doesn't move, I don't, I don't care to trade much. Also, I believe that it's important. Uh, our fees are really uh, protective against watch trading and things like that. I believe that having one basis point fee is really dangerous for in the task. I prefer. I come from a school, maybe traditional, naive, or whatever, where. Uh, you need to have some sort of friction in the markets in order to ensure that there is no interest to manipulate or um, create uh, additional volume. So uh, I think that, and if I like the fact that the market and the volumes are calm when the market is down, and then the spikes when the market spikes, and this how it should be in a normal world. Um, yeah. One more question. You briefly mentioned Tether Gold uh, as the new product. Uh, so, you know, th this is a completely new Tether product. Uh, would you want to share a little bit more about that? Uh, you know, there are already some competitors in this area. And, uh, you know, any details would be interesting. Uh, where does uh, where does Tether plan to store the digital, the physical gold? Um, yeah, any, any kind of details. And also, who would, and also who would like want to use it like what's the use case for having digital gold um yeah tenor gold is i think is really um i mean trying to make a good question i think that uh, uh we encounter really excitement and skepticism i know that there are competitors out there uh first of all they are not better so i believe that we can do much um with our with even if we are uh, late our product will be will have more adoption just because people trust us already with kind of um, slightly some money, um, and uh, that will happen also with the tether goal. I think that what excites me is to see the or give the ability uh, of um, uh, letting people to, to to use tether gold and having a sort of comparison between physical gold and uh, you know a digital gold that is Bitcoin. So. You know, we we are we are going down that path. I think that is really exciting. I I cannot tell if it will be a huge success as Tether USDT or not. What I can tell is that uh, we got a lot of requests and excitement, even if there are um, even after our competition was uh, out there. So we 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 always um, listen to to the people that we worked with, our customers, and we decided to do it. Um, of course, we'll be fully gold-backed. Um, we're working a system to ensure that every single, um, you know, every single tether gold is linked to a specific gold bar. Uh, we there is there there is there are a lot of legal um, um, uh, things to to to, um, to to take care about. Uh, but I believe that it it can be one of the things that uh, that brings uh, more and more interest in our space. Also from uh, traditional finance. Uh, and there are currently more Tether va uh, variations, right? There's uh, there's also Euro, uh, there's C CNY. Um, 
And they haven't been getting as much traction as, as the USD pair. Uh, so could you maybe speak a little bit about why you think that is? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, we didn't really push any of these um, and we let the market decide. So uh, the, if you think that Tether was trading in 2014, it took really uh, three years to add the Tether USDT to get some traction. Um, I think that the Tether CNY, um, sorry, CNH is, uh, is, yeah, quite, sure. um, um, is quite new. Uh, and... Uh, I, we got, uh, we did it just for, um, we were uh, asked from our customers to, to do it because they want to have uh, potentially a way to edge themselves from, uh, from the FX uh, risk, if, uh, depending on, so if they are maybe hedge funds and so on, and they, they want to have a different way to hedge themselves rather than just USDT. So it's basically another way or another product that if it doesn't, it doesn't get any traction, fine, we, we will leave it like that. But I'm sure that with time it will get uh, traction. I mean, if you think about the fact that we have Tether, Euro, and CNH, now we have the three most liquid and biggest um, um, uh, fiat currencies uh, onboarded on Tether, and that covers most of the needs from, uh, from our users. Mm-hmm. 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 I think it might be worthwhile just to go back to uh, Bitfinex's history, right? Uh, the, the company has really deep roots with early Bitcoin investors, uh, probably because it was one of the earliest. Um, you, you mentioned this, this strong relationship you have with your clients and this sense of trust uh, that they have, but there are obviously you know, questions that they also likely have. Um, and I was just curious about how you guys might be addressing them, specifically something like, uh, you know, with crypto capital. Um, does it matter at this point if that money, if, if you get that money back um, and do you expect to get it back? Um, and, and broadly to, to the first part of the question, do your clients care that much about what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that one of the reasons why we were able to raise that kind of money in short term is also because our users trusted us um, and uh, trust our abilities to recover um, the, the, the funds from, from, uh, uh, from crypto capital. So uh, I think that uh, we, we are in a really good, first of all, with crypto capital, we were um, the injured party, um, so we um, we were the one that uh, we are the defense here. And what when it comes to uh, recover the funds, we are sure and we are working on it, and we are confident that we can make our case in the different courts, uh, in the different jurisdictions. And um, the I think that uh, in People know that we are not the type kind of guy that we basically that wait on the sidelines that's uh, to, uh, for something to happen. We we just we will keep uh, fighting and hammering uh, this matter until we get uh, all of it or a good part of it back. And that is also why we we, we see that uh, I mean there isn't uh, even if there are uh, not amazing news maybe we all this price because people believe in the long term. 
I think is 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 uh, fair. I, I you know Leo was explicitly designed for to not have to not risk any crazy price uh, fluctuation. Of course, it went to at some point, but uh, it was fairly new. I mean, I think that people that invested in Leo are investing for long term, and they believe that we are able to recover a good uh, a good chunk of it. So, and um, we will ne- never let it go. So. Um, you, I mean, everyone would wait three years, even if it met, met, if if even if if you had to recover, I don't know, uh, eight hundred fifty million dollars. Being from Genoa, that is the one of the um, Italian places where people are more attached to money. Uh, I would wait also to the eternity for that kind of money. So I believe our investors um, do the same. So, so one of the reasons why you guys work with crypto capital was because. It was just really challenging to get reliable banking. Um, has that improved recently? Uh, like, what I, I know that you guys can't talk you know, about specifics, but what is the banking situation like currently? It's really good, actually. So we have different banks open, and then all the banks that uh, took that uh, did, uh, that um, you know didn't um, that did, that went through. Um, that well dismiss all the, the news that they were uh, that were found online and basically came directly to talk to us um decided to work with us they reviewed our kyc ml system uh again also they said that uh it's even more painful than ours that theirs so uh you know uh everyone all these banks that now we are working with and i mean the, the one one example is that that, that i believe is a second bank by by um dimension in bahamas i mean all these banks are uh, willing to work with us and don't have any problem they we are in con- constant talk we we have uh, they requested all our manuals for qsml they 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 have direct contact with anyone of us and uh, they are more than happy to do business with us so I think that there is some um, uh, mismatch of uh, the the picture that is being painted and what really the companies that work with us will find eventually. How come you don't live in Italy? Um, so, because basically I spent some years in uh, in, uh, in London to work first with my uh, startup uh, that created a green cluster and then um, and then basically, I decided. Well, uh, let's let's try to travel a bit. Since Italy, I, well, I basically spent almost all my life in Italy. I said, well, why not try Switzerland? It's beautiful. Uh, there are lakes, mountains, and uh, I basically I spent 16 hours per day on a laptop. So uh, I um, I just can enjoy some nature outside of the window. Um, <laughs> so Switzerland. It's like Larry. Yeah, it's just like me. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm curious. Uh, you say that you know you work most of your time, uh, but what is uh, what do you like to do outside of work? If you do anything, any hobbies, uh, you know, anything interesting? Um, no, I was I used to be a guitar player, uh, but uh, the work basically now I'm really uh, terrible at that. Uh, I don't basically <laughs> I don't have time to do anything. Now I try to do a bit of sport to not. Uh, get too out of shape, but uh, let's say a couple of times per week, otherwise basically my wife will kill me. It's just, <laughs> we are almost there, so. <laughs> hey, listen, happy wife, happy life, right? That's, that's the motto to live by. 
Um, I, well, I want to be respectful of your time, uh, obviously, and I think that's all I have on my end. We've been we've been going over the hour mark. Um, I think people are going to find a lot of value in not only hearing about the new new products that are coming down the pipe, but just you know getting some insights into the thinking around a lot of the issues that are in the headlines might not uh, uh, mollify all of the skeptics, but at least um, provide some context that might be helpful. Uh, Larry, do you have any other questions? Um, I was going to ask one question, actually. Um, so, you know, you guys have historically been very chain agnostic. Um, can you talk, uh, you know, briefly about uh, why you've taken that stance, you know, as opposed to some other exchanges that are more focused on purely Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I mean, um, we started with Bitcoin, so it is the first love of uh, everyone in the company. And uh, but we we showed support to um, Ethereum. We also start FinX. We showed support to EOS. Um, with ESPNX and uh, our involvement as blog producers and a lot of other things. Um, also, you know, with Tether, uh, there are plenty of uh, blockchains that want to integrate Tether. And of course, there are plenty of uh, uh, technical, legal discussions around it. But uh, we are happy to, to spread our, um, um, our products on as, much, as many as... Um, uh, as uh, as many pro uh, blockchains as possible, I mean Bitcoin was is is the first love is for for me and uh, for a lot of people in in the company is the king. Um, so we uh, we we try to do our best to to continue with that vision. Um, we are funding different projects. So it's is just basically uh, our belief that is uh, the best design cryptocurrency. Uh, so far, and the fact that everything is on a, a different layer uh, from a technical, pure technical point of view, uh, I really the fact that there is like network and is so uh, nicely done is um, I mean pure pure technical from a developer point of view is is just uh, beautiful. That's great. No, that's helpful. Yeah, I want to basically to say uh, lastly that um, I mean. Um, we we also like to get uh, uh, positive critics, um, and that's why I'm I'm here with you guys. Uh, and uh, we are all aware that we could do better on the community side. So um, I think that uh, might be interesting to to have updates with you um, in long term. Yeah, absolutely. And you know where to find us. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time coming on the scoop. We appreciate it and. We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. The critics will continue. I'm sure. Trolling, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, but uh, you know, um, but it's always good. Time. You know, it, it's we've come such a long way. Uh, just if I can harken back on the Hassan days of, of the block for a moment, um, when there was all that banking, the questions around the banking and hopping around and opening up accounts here and there, uh, there was this level of just you know, opaqueness around the firm that that um, I think whether it was us or other people kind of uh, added to a level of, of, of heightened skepticism. Um, and I think 
in having conversations like that or like this, it, it helps um, just understand things a little bit better. Yeah. And we appreciate the time and hope hope you'll come on the scoop again in a few months and we'll keep in touch. Sure. Thank you very much, Brett. Thank you, Eric. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Scoop. We hope you tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe and favorite wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Cash App. Cash App has been the number one finance app on the App Store for almost two years. It was also the first major peer-to-peer payments app to support Bitcoin. And it's still the fastest and easiest way to turn cash into crypto. Cash App now supports Bitcoin deposits in-app, so be sure to move your Bitcoin from whatever wallet you're using to Cash App. Don't have any to deposit? Cash App is also the most convenient way to instantly buy and sell Bitcoin. No more waiting five days for your ACH transfers to come through. With Cash App, you can buy Bitcoin instantly. When you're ready to take full ownership of your private keys, just use Cash App to scan an external wallet's QR code It's really that simple. Cash App also comes with standard banking features like direct deposits and others your bank would never even consider, like Cash Card, a customizable debit card that lets you instantly save every time you use it at Lyft, Whole Foods, and places like Chick-fil-A. Download Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play, and I hope you enjoy the episode.